Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message. Now I'm talking to the people who know he's a way maker. He brought you through some times when there no was no other way. There was no other way out of that situation, out of that financial issue. There was no other situation out of that sickness. But you know he made a way when there was no way. Give him some glory in the house this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, team. That was awesome. Let's, let's give our Calvary worship live a big thank you this morning. Pastor Courtney, as she was filling in for Pastor John Wilds, who is out, I believe, is in Canada today. I tell you what, our, our team takes what's in this house constantly and spreads it out all over the place. Can we give God praise for that? Amen. Amen. Pastor Josh is out preaching this morning. And, you know, it is really just a privilege that we have to, to watch the Lord just have such a call and purpose on this house that he takes those that he's given us to carry it to other places and see other churches set on fire. Aren't we blessed? We are so blessed. I thank God for it. But I want to just share with you a word this morning that as we start into this uh, God's House series, and it actually was birthed out of that little bit of time, a short time ago, whenever my husband and I flew back in from Malaysia. It was about a month ago, and we landed in Orlando on Friday night, came to church Sunday morning, and then on Sunday night, I developed the worst sore throat I just think I'd ever had. And, you know, it just hurt. I thought, you know, well, here we go. It's just a sinus thing. You know how you do. And um, that we went through that week not feeling too great, but okay. And then Wednesday night we came in here and we were praying for Easter, remember? And uh, I just started feeling ugh, terrible, just to be honest. But I, uh, my voice started going out and I told my husband, like, I don't want to miss this Sunday. So I'm going to go see my doctor, which is Dr. St. James. We got the best doctor in the house. Come on. But she comes to this church. So I'm going to go see her because I must need something to help me get through this. I don't want to miss growth track and all that's coming. And so I went to her the next day thinking she's just going to give me that quick fix like we do. And she looked at me and she said, no, Pastor Dawn, what you have is a virus. She said, there ain't not one thing that I can give you that will get you better. She said, the only thing that will heal you is rest. The only thing that will heal you is rest. And I just looked at her in the eyes and said probably what you would have said. I don't have time for that. Isn't that the truth? I don't have time for that. I don't, I don't have time to, to rest. And even while I was talking with her, my voice was disappearing. And you know that scripture in Psalms 23, he maketh me lie down? Yes, he did. He made me lie down. <laughs> He'll do that to us sometimes. But hear me, in that place that I was in, the things that were affected was my voice 
and my sodium. I shared that with you because it really upset me because it was Easter time when we were mobilizing ourselves to be a voice in our community and to be salt and light to this lost world and to see that what was affected was my voice being silenced and my salt, which was causing me to have no energy and no focus. Whew, that just made me a little bit mad. So I began praying over all y'all. Lord, volumize their voice. Let them be more effective than they would be at this Easter season. I believe we saw that in the Easter season, don't you? It was so powerful. But the Lord began speaking to me during this time that I was at home and having to rest. And I want to share a scripture that he shared with me that I believe is going to help you. Because I believe that God does not want us living a stressed out, overwhelmed situations, circumstances on top of us, but he wants us to live victorious in him. And that's not to be worn out and stressed out and depleted. Amen. Because he has a great call on your life. The scripture I'm taking today is Isaiah 30 verse 15. It says, only in returning and resting in me will you be saved in quietness and confidence is your strength, but you would not. See, the children of Israel were even like Pastor Don was. I ain't got time for that. So we're going to talk about this scripture today, and in Jesus' name, get a little healthier and a little bit stronger in the way God wants us to live. Will you slip your hands up and let me pray for you? Father God, I just thank you for your word, that in every season of our life, whatever we are going through, we can look into your word and we can get an answer we can get direction. We can hear your voice to bring us through every season. We thank you for your word and for your voice that speaks to us in every time of our life. Lord, I thank you for what you're gonna to do today. I pray for a fresh anointing upon me and a fresh anointing upon every person in this place that we would hear and receive what you wanna to say to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want you to turn to your neighbor before you sit down and you can tell them the title of this message. Say, hey neighbor, give it a rest. Yes, give it a rest. How about it? So we are in this God's House series and if there's anything that I'm thankful for, it is the ability to come to the house of God and find rest. I don't know about you, I can't even count the number of times it's been for me. There is something that when I come into the house of God, it changes everything. I can come in wore out and stressed out, overwhelmed and tired, but by the time I leave God's house with God's people, I am energized, my faith is renewed, I leave ready to face the week. Can I get a witness? Yeah. So. We can come in heavy, but leave ready to face tomorrow. Church is a big deal. It is a big deal just for this alone. But in Isaiah 30, 15, God reveals that he had made a way for the children of Israel and for us to live in salvation and strong. But they were notorious. 
You've read the Bible. They were notorious for doing things their own way and for doing things in their own strength, using their own wisdom and making their own decisions. They turned to worship idols that they constructed with their own hands and serving kings that they could see with their own eyes. They insisted on making alliances without consulting the Lord or being directed by his spirit. And all it did was lead them to one beat down after another. How many times did we read in the Bible where God would say, wait on me, but they said, no, I got this fight. Let's go out there and do it. But it only left them in a mess with so much drama when God said, if you would have just sought me, I would have told you what to do, and it wouldn't have been this hard. <laughs> but aren't we like the children of Israel so often? I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. We get in a hurry. We see things laid before us, and we take it in our own strength and in our own mind to figure it out. Whereas the children of Israel, if they would have let God fight their battles, served and trusted him and him alone and trusted in him, they would have conquered every enemy with strength and power. And that's where God wants us to live. That's the life he is divine for us to live. But the devil wants us to be so caught up in the demands of life, making everything seem so urgent before us and that it's all hours to handle that sometimes we don't under, often realize and trying to control it all, you're really just being controlled by it all instead. It's the enemy's deception of distraction that he works in our life, keeping us focused on everything around us. And the devil wants to knock you out of your place of rest and keep you in worry and stress just by causing you to pay attention to what you see and what you hear going on around you. So it's like the doctor said to me that day, she said, the only thing that will heal you, the only thing that's gonna get you through this is rest. So I had to Google it because I did not understand what am I going to do and what does this mean that I'm gonna to have to stay right here in this house? I could tell I wasn't going anywhere. So the word rest is freedom from activity or labor, a state of motionlessness. Yeah, that doesn't even sound normal, does it? Motionlessness or activity, pretty much a foreign concept for us, something that might sound nice, but not realistic. And all the moms and dads in the house can shout amen. I read this funny little quote the other day on something where it was a mom writing it and said, I don't care how far you go away or where you're at, your kids will still find you to tell you they're thirsty. Come on. I mean, there's really not a lot of motionlessness and inactivity when you're raising kids. But also, as I said that word, freedom from activity or labor, a state of motionlessness or activity, for those of you that when I said that, it made you feel real guilty. If you were to indulge in a day like that, that God would be disappointed in you for not getting something accomplished, maybe one day a week. Let me remind you of Genesis 2-2, that the Bible says on the seventh day, God had finished his work of creation, so he rested 
from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day, and he declared it holy because it was the day when he rested from all his work of creation. There was another translation that I read that he said, and God blessed it and sanctified it because in it he rested. In other words, there is something holy to God when you take time to rest and keep a Sabbath. Somebody thank the Lord for it. Amen. He takes pleasure in you when you take that day to worship him only, enjoy the work of your hands, and enjoy the family and friends that he has surrounded you with. But then there is also another side of rest that God is talking to us about here in this scripture. And this is where I want to zero in. The first part of our scripture says in Isaiah 30, 15, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be saved. And the word returning is actually means in withdrawal, turning back to God. But in parentheses, it makes clear, not necessarily with the idea of returning to the starting point. What God's not talking about here is coming to him for your first time of returning to him from sin, but it's that to generally retreat again, to come back to him again, to bring it to him again, to come home again, to come back again. Listen, life is always making withdrawals on you. And if you don't withdraw and rest, you will have nothing to give. I don't know how many times I've heard my husband say, you better come apart. You need to come apart so you don't come apart. Come on. You better take that time to come apart before you come apart. Because listen, you're constantly being pulled on. And if you don't take that time to withdraw and to return to the Lord again, even those things that are good opportunities, even those things that are God opportunities that he has blessed your life with, they can pile up and they can even become overwhelming to you if you are choosing to carry it all by yourself. Even those things can become a burden rather than a blessing. But the Lord is saying, return to me with everything, with everything I've blessed you with, with everything in your life. Bring it to me every day. Because listen, there is something really cool that we have, you know, that we think, man, it's really cool to be needed, to be that one that everybody knows they can call on me. You know, it's really cool to be that one that in your family that, yeah, all my family knows. Let me come, come to Susie to get counseling. Yeah, I can go to Susie and I know she's going to pray for me because she's anointed. So I'm going to draw on Susie and I'm going to come to her because she's got the answer. And then we carry all that stuff. And, you know, it feels feels really good sometimes to be wanted and to be needed and to be looked to like that. But what is not cool is anxiety attacks and heart palpitations and stress that causes early aging. Come on, somebody. Am I being real? And God is saying only in returning and resting in me will you be saved. Matthew 6, tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. He, he wants everything that we do, we, he wants us to seek him first about it. He wants us to bring it to him, and he'll take care of the rest. He wants us to return to him again and again 
and again and again. The only way that pastor and I, we talk about this all the time, if we didn't give it to God, you would find us curled up out there in the parking lot somewhere. Come on. You know the schedule our pastor keeps and the demands that are even on this house and all that this house does. We have to give it to God every day. And for the things in your life that God has blessed you to carry out, you can't carry them in your own strength. But God says, bring it to me. Come to me. Return to me with every issue in every day, with every question, with every problem. Come on, what about this? With every person that drives you crazy. <laughs> I got some mamas waving. Like, You're speaking now, Pastor Don. You're preaching. <laughs> but with everything, every unexpected delay, every question, every pain, everything, because he's up there saying, I've got figured out everything you're trying to figure out. Daughter, son, if you just bring it to me, you see, he said, only in returning and rest. Now, in this, in this scripture, it refers to the word rest as to be set down. And it actually says as food set down on a table. Quietness. So what God is saying is that with everything you deal with, don't just tell him about it. Don't just come back to him with it. Give it to him. Give it to him. For years in my prayer life, I would return to him every day, but I wouldn't return in quietness and rest. I was returning with anxiousness. I, my prayer life was not in quietness or with a quiet attitude, but with prayers laden with the load that I was carrying and that I was bearing. And I would come and tell God how heavy it is and how hard it is, and how bad it's been, and what they did to me. Come on, and oh God, I need your help. And I'm, that's what I'm bringing to him. It's not a place of quietness and rest and laying it down. It's just unloading all my mess. But then I walk right out still carrying it and trying to handle it and looking at the situation like it's mine to fix. Come on, that, that's not what rest is. That's not what he means. Whew, girl, give it a rest. Brother, give it a rest. Come to him, but leave it there. Lay it down. You know, it referred to this word rest as food being set down on a table. So in other words, when you cook that big old pan of fried chicken, I had to throw that in for pastor. Because, you know, right now he's thinking about fried chicken. He's probably preaching about it, right? You know, that church right now is hearing about fried chicken. So when you make that big pot of fried chicken, or for the southern folk in here, the big casserole dish. I'm from South Georgia, so every meal you had a casserole with cheese whiz in it. What in the world is cheese whiz, for real? But that was how we ate. But you know, it's when you're cooking dinner and you set that food down on that table and you leave it there because you trust that that table is strong enough to hold that there. So you leave it there to rest. And then you go about finishing up what you're doing. Where, where, where's my turkey at? Oh, there he is. So like on Thanksgiving, you make your prize winning turkey. 
And you're so proud of it that, you know, you just decide, I'm not going to lay that turkey down on the table. I'm just going to hold it. I'm just going to carry this turkey around and let people, you know, cut off what they want to. And I'll, I'll just hold this turkey because, you know, it, it's mine. I'm, I'm just going to hold it and I'm just going to carry it around and, and then just let, you know, everything else happen. But listen, if, if you're going to hold this turkey the whole time, you're going to have a real hard time enjoying the rest of your event and doing the other things that you're supposed to be getting done. And if you, you try to hold it, number one, it's going to hinder you from anything else and make it all harder. But also, I don't care how strong you are, how much you go to the gym, your strength is going to soon become insufficient to keep holding that turkey. And so what God says to us is he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Heavy laden, it means it refers to something that you're carrying. What are you carrying this morning that you ought to be laying down, that you ought to be trusting him with? What are you carrying? It says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all those who are weary and are carrying things, come to me and I will give you rest. Oh, see, sometimes we even add things to our life that God has not even called us to carry. Like being responsible for other people's choices. How about that? Sometimes we add those things to our load, and we get confused about the carrying process with those that we care about. But it's like the paralytic man in the Bible. You remember him? And his friends got him on the stretcher, and they needed to get him to Jesus, but they had to go through the roof to even get him to Jesus, but they were going to get him there. And when they carried him to Jesus, they set their load down at Jesus' feet, and they left him there, and they asked Jesus to do what they could not do, and that was to restore their friend. See, Jesus never asked you to carry it. What your job is to just bring them to Jesus. They, they couldn't save him, but they could do their part and bring him to the one who could. Some of you are carrying some things. Some of you are carrying some people. Some of you are carrying some things that you should be laying down before the Lord. Oh yeah, you want to give God praise? You know it's the truth, don't you? And if you carry it, you're going to go nowhere because your strength is not sufficient. But my Bible says, my grace is sufficient for you. He who lives in you can carry it all the way. Jesus was made for heavy lifting. The Bible says he carried the weight of all our sins to the cross on his shoulders. He carried the weight of that on the cross so that we could stand assured of his love today. And he says to us in 1 Peter, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. Honey, give it a rest. Come on, lay that turkey down. Come on, you can't carry what God has for you if you don't lay that turkey down. 
You can't carry what God's called you to do. You can't do what he's called you to do if you don't lay that turkey down. Come on. You can't divorce that husband, but you can lay him down. Come on. That nagging wife, sir, you can't kill her, but you can lay her down. Come on, lay her down. Those children, you can't kill them until God they died. Come on but you can lay them down and give him to him. I'm telling the truth. God does not want you to carry the load of things of other people, but do your part and just bring him to him. God, I, I, I lay this child down. Lord, you know I've done all I know to do. I, I've, I've prayed for them, I've raised them in the ways of the Lord, but yet, God, they're, they're acting in ways that I have no control over. I've done everything. So, God, I'm bringing them to your feet. I'm bringing them to your feet, and I'm leaving them right there because I know you're able to restore them. You're able to save them. You're able to raise them up. You're able to get through to them. You're able to do what I cannot do. So I lay it down, and I leave it there, and I go forth, and I fulfill the other purpose that you have for my life. Somebody give God praise for his word. That's where he wants you to live, resting in his sovereignty. Resting in his fatherhood, resting in his goodness for you, resting in him. He said, only in returning and resting in me will you be saved. And then the second part of this scripture, it says, in quietness and confidence is your strength. In quietness, that's the word shakat, the Hebrew word shakat. Somebody say, shh. That's what it sounds like, doesn't it? Shh-cat. Sounds like, shh. I know real often in my life, God is looking at me and saying, shh, enough already, girl. Somebody needs to tell your thoughts, shh. Tell that conversation going on in your head, shh. Shh-cat. It means to be quiet to be tranquil, to lie still, to be undisturbed, to be inactive. And the Bible says in Psalms 46.10, be still and know that I am God. In other words, divine silence does not necessarily mean divine inactivity. But God says in quietness is your strength. Your strength won't come from Pastor Big Time's Facebook post, come on, or listening to the next great inspiring podcast. Those are good, but nothing replaces the quiet place. He said, be still and know. We serve a God that will let us know. Woo. He will make himself known to you. He will speak to you. He will talk to you about where you are and give you what you need if you will just be still. But I ain't got time for that, right? But this is what God is saying. If you will be still, you will know. You will know me. You will know the plans I have for you. You will know the purpose I have for you. You will know my peace. You will know my joy. Be still and know it's in that quiet place.
that we know him. And the Bible says in his presence there is fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our in quietness is your strength. I want to refer to a story in 1 Kings chapter 19 real quick. Elijah defeated the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 19 in a showdown of whose God would send the fire on the altars they had built. Who remembers that story? So right after the great miracle and the demonstration that God did through Elijah, all Israel turned back to God. Jezebel threatens his life, and Elijah flees. This mighty man of God that has just done this big showdown, and the prophets of Baal could not call down fire, but when he called on the name of his God, his God answered by fire, licked up the altar, licked up the water. He, he defeated and killed all the prophets of Baal. I mean, it was an incredible victory. And what I've often found out is that after your greatest victory, so many times the enemy will attack with the loudest voice of defeat. Am I telling the truth? And here Elijah is. He has stepped out in great faith. He has spent himself physically. He has spent himself emotionally. He had poured out everything he had, all his energy, all his courage, all his faith in God, taking down all the prophets of Baal and killing them. And in this depleted moment, the enemy's voice came, and it seemed louder than anything that he had left within him. And the Bible says that he flees and he winds up in a cave. And the Lord calls him out of the cave. And watch what he says in 1 Kings 19. He says, go out, Elijah, and stand before me on the mountain. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by. And a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. In the quietness, by a gentle whisper, Elijah heard the voice of the Lord. And in the quietness of that moment, I want you to see what God did. Number one, God was able to get real with Elijah. He asked him in that moment, what are you doing here, Elijah? He was able to break through the turmoil of fear inside of him and remind him who he was and where he was called to be, and that was not in a cave. You see, at the threat of Jezebel, Elijah had fled in fear, and he had even prayed that he would die. You read the story. He, he leaves there and he, he says, oh God, just let me die. Just take me now. I, I can't take it anymore, Lord. I've had enough. That's what this mighty man said. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my father's. After he had witnessed God do all these mighty miracles, here he is in a place of intimidation and insecurity and feeling like he's no good. Come on, has anybody ever been there? You're a mighty woman of faith. You're a mighty man of faith. You have fought greatly for the Lord and, and for a certain situation. But then all of a sudden, you find yourself in a place where you're just saying, I just, I just want to give up and die, Lord. This is just too much for me. 
You've seen God do big things in your life, yet this time, this battle, this situation seems too big to bear, and it makes you doubt. It makes you doubt God. It makes you doubt your own purpose. It makes you doubt your, your own calling. It makes you doubt everything, and this is where Elijah is, and hear me. The enemy knows. He knows what discourages you. He has studied you. He studied you your whole life, and he knows what will drive you back in that cave. He knows what to do. will send you right back into that insecurity, right back into that fear, right back into that doubt. But I want you to hear something about this story. Jezebel's threat for his life was only that. Because if you read in the children of Israel, time and time again, in those days, if, if a king was going to attack, if he was going to kill someone, buddy, he did it then. It wasn't like, I'm gonna. You better wash out. I'm coming after you. No, no, they just, they just took it. They took ground. But in this story, Jezebel just sent a threat. Don't you know, if she thought she could have really killed him, she would have done it. And let me tell you something, baby. You're here today because the enemy may make you think he's got you, but if he could have killed you, you'd already be dead. You're a miracle sitting in this house today, and you are covered in the name of Jesus. You see, if she could have killed him, she would have done it right then. There's no proof that she intended to kill him, but only that she intended to make him believe so. And that's the whole enemy's tactic. The enemy is a liar, and the Bible said that he is a deceiver. And honey, this discouragement is only the enemy's attempt to get you out of the way. You see, that's what she did to Elijah. She sent that threat against him that she was going to kill him to make him believe that because her threat was only to get him out of the way so that he could not carry on what he had begun. Oh, come on, somebody. I declare over you, some of you have been in this place where the enemy has been a Attacking you. You've heard that threat of Jezebel against your life and that fear. But let me remind you, the devil is a liar. The only reason he is speaking those things to you is because you're actually doing something for the kingdom of God. And he's just trying to get you out of the way so you won't continue to fulfill the work that God has called you to do. Somebody give God a praise and say, peace out, Jezebel. My daughter came home with a shirt one day and it had two fingers up and it said, peace out, Jezebel. I don't know if anybody's ever seen that shirt or where it came from. But somebody used to say, peace out, Jezebel. You threatened me long enough, I ain't listened to you no more. God knows where you are today, just like he knew where Elijah was. But he not only sees you, he sees where he's called you. And in that quietness, in that place, God got real with Elijah. And watch this. Elijah stepped out there on that mountain, and the Bible said that then came in a wind, a strong wind as the presence of God was coming in that blasted rocks from a mountain. 
Elijah stood there and felt the effects of that power. He felt the shock of the earthquake, and he was struck in awe of the eruption of the fire as it was God's presence being ushered in to where he was. And listen, God is all that. He is a wind that will blast your mountains out of the way. He is an earthquake that will shake it all apart, and he is also a fire. Hallelujah, the Bible declares. But he is also a God who will still speak to you and bring you out. Woo! He is a God, a mighty God, a God of power and might, but he is also a God that will come right down where you are in your situation, and he will speak to you. Woo, Jesus. You see, all this got Elijah's attention, but God chose to make his mind known to Elijah in a quiet whisper. Don't forsake the quiet place. God called Elijah out of the cave of fear by his gentle whisper. And even if he called Elijah out by that whisper, he will call you out. Oh, honey, he will call you out of your anxiety. He will call you out of your fear. He will call you out of that fear of the past, that fear of the present, and that fear of the future. He'll call you out of it all by that gentle whisper. You see, the enemy will lie to you and make you feel like you cannot go on. But the, the Lord will speak to you in that quiet place and he will remind you of his truth, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Come on, that your voice is valuable, that your life is full of purpose. He is still on the throne. You belong to him. The devil is a liar and he has made you more than a conqueror. Somebody give God a shout. Yes, I've come to remind some people that are going through a whole lot more than the Asian flu that no weapon formed against you can prosper in Jesus' name. God cares more about you than all the things that you do. So remember, shh, in quietness is your strength. The second thing God did was he answered Elijah in that quiet moment. He sent him back with directions. In other words, he told Elijah, go back the way that you came. It's not time to quit. It's time to keep going. Woo. I think that's a word for somebody. Go back the way you came. It's not time to quit now. It's time to keep going. Hallelujah. It's time for you to shake off the anxiety, the fear, and declare, I'm stepping into my new season. Hallelujah. Stop stressing over situations huh, that you can't fix anyway. Give them to God and you will find rest. He got clarity and direction from the Lord in that moment. And number three, God showed him it was not time to die, but it was time to live and lead others. You see, you really can't lead yourself, much less anyone else, when you're worn completely out. You'll struggle leading your family. You'll struggle leading those that are looking to you, those that are leaning on you, because weariness blurs your vision. Am I telling you the truth? Tired eyes rarely have good vision. But the Lord showed him it was not time to die, but live and lead others. In other words, he revealed purpose. You need to know what your purpose is. Are you confused about your purpose? Has the enemy thrown fear against you? Get in that quiet place and he will speak to you and reveal 
purpose. Because you see, the enemy will work hard to make you doubt your call, doubt that you are even a gift, a person of purpose with giftings and anointing. And he is best at succeeding when we are stretched thin and missing that quiet time with in the presence of the Lord. His ultimate goal is to see you hiding in that cave and giving up. But in the quietness of that moment, God revealed his plan and his purpose for Elijah's life. He was sending him to raise up the next generation. He was sending him to throw his mantle on Elijah. He was sending him back to a people who was for God and not against him. If you read the record, Elijah was saying there's nobody else, God. They've all deserted me. There's no one else. But God said, not only is there somebody else, I have 7,000 that are there waiting on you that have not bowed their knee to Baal, but they serve me. Hallelujah. The enemy will make you believe all kind of crazy stuff. But if you'll get in that quiet place, he will speak to you and remind you of who you are. Because listen, the enemy is after your voice and he's after your salt. But in the name of Jesus, he ain't going to have it. Because he is a liar and the father of all lies. Can I get a witness? Your voice and your salt. You are good to go forth in the power of his might. Somebody's, somebody's purpose is connected to yours. Somebody's victory is connected to your victory. Somebody's breakthrough is connected to your breakthrough. The only reason the enemy has attacked you is because it's not just about you, but it's about your family. It's about your friends. It's about that coworker. It's about that boss. It's about that church. It's about that ministry. It's about those that are connected to you. Somebody say, shh, yes. And quietness is your strength. And the last part of the scripture is so powerful. He said, in quietness and confidence is your strength. Confidence is trust. Just like we sing about today, I put my trust in you. It's your strength. It's your might. It's your bravery. It's your mighty deeds of God. Listen, we don't need self-confidence. We need God-confidence. We don't need to just believe in God. We need to believe God that what he says he will do in Jesus' name. There is a, another man in the Bible that the Lord always allows us to see both sides of his life as a mighty man, but then as one who struggles, and that's David. David had fled for his life from Absalom, and he finds himself as Elijah in this situation under depression, under doubt and fears, and longing to be in the house of God. Psalms 42, he writes this, my heart is breaking when I remember how it used to be. I walked among the crowd of worshipers, leading a great procession to the house of God, singing for joy and giving thanks amid the sound of great celebration. Even David knew what we know in this place today. There is no replacement for God's house. When we are in these times of despair, there is something in us that longs for the house of God because we know in the house of God there is rest and there is renewal in these times that we have in our lives. There is rest when we come to the house of God and when we worship together and release that commonality of worship together. And the enemy is here taunting him saying, where is this God of yours? Where is he now? And as his heart is breaking, the Bible says, he remembers the Lord. Somebody needs to remember the Lord and do like David did. He began to ask himself, why am I so discouraged? 
Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Lord and my Savior. David reminded himself in that place of God's goodness of the past, and he told himself to rest. Listen, it doesn't matter what God did for you yesterday if you don't believe that he can do it again today. But somebody needs to remember what God did for you in the past and begin to praise him that if he did it then, he will do it again. Come on, somebody. Lord, you came through in my health back then, so I trust that you're going to bring me through this one. You brought my family through this situation a year ago, so I believe that you can do it again. It's time to not just believe in God, but believe God. Somebody needs to stretch your faith out this morning. I have a word for somebody. The God who did still can. He can and he will. Why don't you tell your neighbor that this morning? Say, hey neighbor, he can and he will. It's time to rest. Woo! David said, I will return to him again in this moment and put my hope and my confidence again. I will praise him again. See, David was a praiser. We're praisers in this house. There is victory when we praise the Lord. It's like the children of Israel. Remember when Joshua died and the Bible said the very first sentence of Judges, the children of Israel are there to lead themselves and seek God for themselves. And they came before the Lord and they said, Lord, we've got to go fight the Canaanites, I believe is who it was. And who sh what tribe should we send out to fight them? And God said, Judah, because I have given him the victory. Your praise will bring the victory. Why so downcast, oh my soul? Why are you so sad? Put your trust in God. Praise him again. If he did it before, he will do it again. He can and he will. Somebody needs to stand up in this place and praise the Lord again. Maybe Jezebel's been coming against your mind, coming against your life, coming against your voice coming against your salt, coming against the work and purpose of God in your life. But I want to challenge you right now to take 30 seconds and praise Him again. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now tell Him I will put my trust in you, Lord. I will put my trust in you, my God and my Savior. Hallelujah! Come on, praise him. He's not intimidated by your impossible situation. He's not intimidated by the situation in your home, on your work. Praise him again. Put it all in his hands. I will put my trust in you, Lord. I will hope in you. to know this morning is that he is working it out and everything's going to be okay. The Bible said he works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So give it a rest. Lay that turkey down and give it a rest. Woo! Hey, that, that's a word right there. That is a word right there.
I had some people after first service say, I'm going home, take a nap. But listen, even more than that physical rest, it's resting up here that God wants us to live because we carry it instead of cast it. And we drive our cortisol levels up and we have anxiety attacks and we live stressed out lives. And that's not God's will for his people. Woo! Our God is a God who just like with the children of Israel, he says, if you will trust me, I will show myself faithful and mighty in your life. Woo! Somebody tell your neighbor, give it a rest. This is your week to give it a rest. Lift your hands up and let me just bless you for this week today. Oh, hallelujah. God, thank you for your word. Woo! I speak your rest over the minds, thoughts, lives of your people. I declare this week they trust in you with every situation. They turn to you and they cast it upon you and they lay it down and they leave it there and they live in rest. I declare healing over you, healing over your life, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. I declare that this week you walk in a place of rest, peace, and joy, and strength, and salvation according to the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Woo, yes, let's give God praise. and. Will you just drink that in for a moment and just say, this week I'm going to be quiet before you, Lord. This week I'm going to rest. This week I'm going to lay it down. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to close this service this morning. But listen, don't miss next week. we got to celebrate Mama. You know, so bring, bring Mama with you to church. Hi, this is Jessica McCoy with Calvary Christian Center. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that this message encourages and inspires you to be everything God has created you to be. We hope you enjoyed this message.